Hey everyone, this is Corey Russell. And uh, this last week at Upper Room Dallas, I preached on the need for the spirit of revelation and giving us a vision for fullness. I am so grateful for all the truths that the Lord is giving to us at Upper Room Dallas. And as we come into that place of rest in the finished work of the cross, I believe that it actually produces a labor and a spiritual hunger for the vision of more. I believe the Lord wants to mark you with this. So just sit back and uh, take this in. Bless you guys. All right. Here we go. We're all just one family, man. This is the power of kingdom. That's what this whole thing is about. We're, I, I, I really believe that we're living in the generation of the Lord's return. So time is of the essence. And preparing the bride for what? The great and the glorious and the intense days that are coming upon the earth. There's a fire that's been growing over the last few years in our hearts. Um, four years ago, it was Truman and Michael that came to Kansas City. And uh, it was a wild uh, event. They came up. Michael had a powerful dream that connected him to my wife. My wife's having to leave for a showing. Please pray for us. We've already had a little warfare. We had some showings yesterday, but our dogs got a rebellious streak on them and went and took a dump in the upstairs area. And um, we didn't realize that till we got back and realized that those people saw those things. So we got a rebellious streak. So I told Dana, I said, just get the house. We got another showing at 12. I said, just get it ready. Make sure they didn't get that rebellious spirit on them again. That's a tough feeling, you know, but then we start asking, would that shake a house for you? Would that be it? If I really liked the house, I'd press through that. I think, <laughs> wouldn't you ask yourself that? Would that be enough? Or would you, you look at me, now I'm done. Anyway, maybe I'm just trying to live with rose colored glasses on the whole ordeal, trying to sell my house, Lord, release it. Um, <laughs> back to my story. All right. Four years ago, um, Four years ago, I, uh, Truman and Michael came, and the night before Michael came, he had a powerful dream. He still hadn't met Dana, and uh, he had a powerful dream that he was to be a part of the next season of her life. And it was on that weekend that really the Lord spoke to us that we were to come here, and it was on that weekend that we really spoke about a phrase that the Lord gave me in 2003. The Lord whispered it, and it's not a phrase that I use a lot nor think about, we don't use that language, but I heard the Lord whisper, apostle of prayer. And I just kind of hit it in my heart in 2003. And it, it wasn't until about 2017 that the Lord really began to stir that word back up in me concerning this apostolic grace to, to pioneer prayer, to build prayer rooms, to build intercessors, and to awaken these gardens and to strengthen these gardens of ministry to God. And, and, and over the last three and a half years, we've seen one, my wife has gotten significantly encountered by God, delivered, healed, restored. There's been so many amazing things that have happened in her life. And, and we celebrate all of those amazing things. Number two, I have absolutely in, in love with the Levites. We got Brett and Sebastian and Julian and Joel and the whole crew that we got to run with. I'll never forget 2020 and spending hours on Zoom with my beloved Levites as we went deep in the Word, 
deep in prayer. And, and, and then USM over the last two years has been absolutely amazing. We've got 150 that have come through this world that I believe wherever they go, they're going to spark prayer wherever they go in the earth. I'm talking about 150 20-year-olds that are going to go change the earth concerning praying churches. That's not a little thing, and I was honored to be a part of investing into those 20-year-olds, and I'm excited about running into them. I always tell them, I can't wait to run into you at 35 when you got 10 kids. I want you to come up and give me a hug, and I want to look in your eyes and see that glisten as that spirit of prayer is resting on you. And I get to hear and see all that God's done through you. So, um, yeah, so I, it, it's, it's awesome. You feel the pain. I always feel like Paul with the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, they fell on his neck weeping. So there's the deep pain over how much, how many people I love in this room, how many people that I deeply love and value. And Michael, starting with Michael and Larissa, all the way down to everyone in the house, we have deep love and affection. Deep love that's forever in our hearts. Our two oldest are staying here. So we're going to be in and out a lot. And it's kingdom. And we're moving on. There's a pioneering thing that's in my spirit concerning moving to Denver and building into Upper Room Denver and, and beginning to put a, put a stake in the ground. We, we got, I feel I'm, I'm so confident over what's happening here with J. Lou and the team and the, what's happening Monday to Saturday in this room and the strengthening in this room. But oh, it's like Jesus. Jesus would release revival in a place, and he goes, I got to get on to the next city. I got to keep moving, and I'm feeling that because it's not my natural way. I spent 20 years in Kansas City, and I don't like change too much. But the kingdom is not about your personal preference. It's not. And the Lord's shaking that out of me. Well, he's not shaking it out of me. Wherever I land, I'm going to do my thing. But that is just what he's working out of me. And in the same way, I feel like we're, we're battling against the spirit of religion in Dallas. So I'm going to Denver and to labor with a longtime friend, Brian Kim, and the team there as we labor to see the spirit of this age get its power broken in Denver and to see the fame of Jesus released. He's going to hit every spirit, the spirit of religion in conservative states, and he's going to hit the spirit of the age in liberal states. And this is about kingdom. So let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. So amen. All right. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk today and then I'm going to share next Sunday will be my last, you know, at least for the foreseeable future with you guys. And so I've been just dialing it up. What do I want to say to you? What are the things that I care the most about? And I have, I've been able to, it's been amazing preaching in this room over the last three and a half years. But if I, if I were to dial up what is the deepest longing in my heart to give to you as I transition, it would be a vision for fullness. A vision for fullness. Everybody say fullness. And, and I, this is an apostolic house. And, I, and when I read the epistles and I read the apostle Paul, I see a man that is deeply at rest in the finished work of the cross but at the same time, absolutely possessed with this laboring, striving, wrestling spirit to see what was accomplished at Calvary fully manifested in these fledgling churches and in these cities, and that the fame of Jesus 
would be manifested. And it requires a laboring spirit to see those realities manifested. And I think that God wants to grow us up in what do we rest in and what do we labor for? What do we rest in and what do we labor for? We rest in the full and free forgiveness that was bought at Calvary. We rest in that. Everybody exhale. Yeah. I don't hear it. Break the COVID fear. Break it. Full and free acceptance. Full and free indwelling of the Spirit of God in you. You have the full and free indwelling and rest. And I absolutely love my personal open heaven that I live under. Who's grateful for your open heaven? Huh? Hallelujah. I carry that open heaven wherever I go. I ain't got to get there. I'm there. It was purchased by the blood of Jesus, and I live in full and free forgiveness, full and free acceptance, full and free indwelling. Hallelujah. I have royal divine DNA pumping through my veins. I have the seed of God dwelling in my spirit. I have the Zoe seed of God in my spirit. I have that divine seed dwelling on the inside of me. See, I can preach on this. We lie about it all day. But I need you to understand that if that is the only revelation that you're living in, it can actually serve as an obstacle to an even further revelation. And that I don't labor for my open heaven. That was freely given by the death of Jesus. What I labor for are other people's open heaven. And most of us just want to enjoy our open heaven and our full and free forgiveness and rejoice. And that's powerful. You never graduate from it. However, if you stay there long enough, it's going to work in you a confidence to join Jesus in him moving for the sake of others. So the laboring, the striving, words like wrestling. Well, brother, I don't want to strive. We don't want to strive. That's almost a four-letter word in the kingdom. All right, let's not get religious. I don't want to labor or strive or press or push. Yet when you read Philippians 3, Paul says, that I may know him. I want to lay hold of that for which he laid hold of me. I'm in a wrestling match. Brother, get at rest. You're not in a wrestling match. No, we're in a wrestling match. I not only want to rest in what he's doing, but I want to see the full appropriation and manifestation of the finished work of the cross manifested on the inside of me. I want more than just nice phrases. I want a manifested life on the inside of me. And you got you got to understand that spiritual hunger accesses the more. Spiritual hunger. I'm not laboring for righteousness. I'm laboring from righteousness. But if it only kicks you into a lazy boy, I as far as your whole pursuit of God, I would question how deep you are in the revelation of the grace of God. It looks like something. People start getting possessed. I'm going to use the word possessed because you get delivered from yourself and you enter into Christ's labor. That's the apostolic heart. That's the apostolic mind, the apostolic vision. What about others? There is more. 
There is more. And I want to take you on a little bit of a journey this morning about giving you a vision for the knowledge of God. Everybody, the day you got saved, you stepped off a harbor into a boat and the Holy Spirit cuts the ropes of that boat and all you can see is blue. And the blue is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation, everybody say fullness again. That word, if there's been one word that has possessed, and I'm going to use it, keep using that word, absolutely consumed me over the last six months to a year, it's the word fullness. And I, I just want to look at a handful of verses, Ephesians 1.23, and be ready with me, hon, we're going to run, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We are his body, and wherever we go, we are manifesting the fullness of God wherever we go. All over the earth, the global church. We are the fullness of him who fills all in all. I want to pull up. What's our next verse? Put this one up here. Ephesians 3.19, that you would know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Time out. Time out. Who wants to be filled with all the fullness of God? He's talking about together with all the saints. A corporate container for fullness. A corporate container for fullness. Friend, your inheritance is to be filled with the fullness of God. Is to know the love of God. Is to comprehend the width, the length, the depth, the height. To know the love of God. Just because we like to have fun. Go to the next verse. For in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. How did that five foot six Jewish man not explode? How'd that seed in a virgin's womb not explode? And yet the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in that seed in a virgin's womb. It pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Meditate on fullness. Yeah, they just mess with you. Let's keep going. Oh, good, good, good. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, verse 10, that in the, next verse, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he's going to gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. There is a fullness of time. Keep going with me. I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Can you see that word fullness? Fullness of the Gentiles. Do you know what's going to provoke Israel out of blindness to receive Yeshua as her Messiah? The fullness of the Gentiles. We're talking about fullness of maturity. Fullness of unity, fullness of sacrificial love, fullness of power, fullness resting on the church. And it's going to be that revelation that's going to break blindness off of Israel. So they receive their Jesus, listen, as their Messiah, and it brings life from the dead for the whole world. That's good, Corey. Keep going. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, fivefold ministry, until we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. Look at that, to a perfect man. 
You know, Jesus tells us to be perfect in the Sermon on the Mount as the Father is perfect. Well, brother, we're not, all, we're not perfect. Jesus is perfect. He goes, yeah, but he's going to make you perfect. We're going to become perfect in him. Well, brother, I don't want to get in legalism or weirdness. I promise you, when you come through the door of the gift of righteousness, it works in you what is well-pleasing to God. Friends, I just want you to know we're coming into the birth canal so we can grow up. We can grow up into the head to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're going to grow up into the head. He's the head, we're his body. And the body's going to get connected to the head and thereby get connected to each other. There's more. Yes, there's more. Next verse. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, and here it is, golden bowls of what? Full of incense. The fullness of prayer is going to mark the end time church. Full, bowls will be full to partner with the Lamb of God and opening up the scroll. <laughs> bowls that are full, there's coming fullness. Next one. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I've given them that they may be one just as we are one. Get your seatbelt on. I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and that you've loved them as you've loved me. So Jesus goes, Father, in the same way you're in me and I'm in you, so make the end time church one in us. Jesus gets his prayers answered. He's going to do it. There's going to become, the church is going to become that perfect one. Vision for fullness. I want you to know there's more. And I just want to drive just a javelin through your spirit this morning and provoke you. Is that okay? Everybody turn to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I don't labor for righteousness. I labor from righteousness. Paul says in Colossians, him we preach. To this end, I labor, striving according to the working, striving according to his working, which works in me. All right, I'm about to read all of you your bank statement. I'm about to read to everyone in here your new bank statement in Christ. All right, I don't know what your natural birth, uh, not birth, but bank statement looks like, but I'm about to read to you your spiritual bank statement. It's a good day. Let's go, verse three, and we're gonna run. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with how many blessings? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Hey, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, 
according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, verse 10, that in the fullness of the times he's going to gather together everything in one, all things which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him we've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. I'm not done. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, gospel of your salvation, having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Come on, it's raining in here. Come on. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession? That's his coming to the praise of his glory. All right, so verses 3 through 14 is, it's raining. It's raining. Come on. <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> You guys are getting more excited about this than Ephesians 1. <laughs> I was about to hit therefore. <laughs> Praise God. Everybody need to come set up here in the front. We got a seat for you. <laughs> All right, let's just, we'll dry it up. It's all good. Just grab a seat to the left, the right. We got seats up here. If you got a seat next to you, just raise your hand and we'll make room for you right now. Yeah, we got seats up here. Just come on up here. If you've gotten wet, we got seats around. Come on, you're going to need it. It's 102 out there. Oh, bless him, Lord. Bless Bryant. Thank you, Jacob. Give Jacob a hand. <laughs> Signs and wonders, baby. All right, here we go. Everybody say, therefore. That's an important word whenever Paul says that. He just laid out saying you're all trillionaires in the spirit. You're all trillionaires in the spirit. Receive that. Every blessing. Riches of grace. Glory of grace. And Paul goes, you're all trillionaires. But so many of us are living on 20 cents a day. And we're living, we love the reality of declaring phrases, but so few of us are actually living in the reality of what is declared through 3 through 14. I said, just grab a seat, they're going to dry it up. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, guys, I want to give you, this is my last, one of my last messages to you. I cannot think of anything deeper in my spirit to give you. 
I love it that the declaration of the bank statement didn't kick Paul into the lazy boy of Christianity. But it actually provoked a prayer. It provoked a prayer for the church. And the deeper you go in the revelation of the free gift of righteousness and the grace of God, it actually produces prayer. And non-unceasing prayer. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here it is. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls him the Father of glory. Everybody say Father of glory. So Paul is standing before the God of Jesus, the God of God, the Father of glory. And he goes, Father, here's my prayer for the church. They're trillionaires in the spirit, but yet they still live like slaves in their mind. They still have not fully broke through into the appropriation and the manifestation of what has been brought for them. And I can't stop asking. I can't stop asking that the God of Jesus, the Father of glory, would give to the church the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Who is him? Say his name. He just laid out everything that we are in him. And now he's praying for the revelation of the knowledge in him. And then he prays this, the eyes, everybody say eyes, eyes. of your understanding would be enlightened. Your internal eyes would be awakened to fully see Jesus and that you would know three things about Jesus. And this is what I want to talk into today. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you would know what is the hope of his calling. Note that I didn't say your calling. Note that I didn't say your destiny. Note that I didn't say what Jesus is going to do for you. We were singing today, we don't want blessing, we want you. Now, I do love blessing, but it's secondary. I want him. But I want you to look at that word of his calling. Have you ever thought about Jesus' calling? Have you ever thought about Jesus' destiny? Have you ever thought about Jesus' inheritance? It's almost foreign to us hearing it in America because we thought, well, Jesus died, and now it's about our inheritance. And Paul laid out, guys, you're rich in him. you got a lot in him, but it's to deliver you from this narcissism, myoptic, self-introspection, so you can get delivered from you and be about the labor of his calling. And his inheritance. And what Jesus is going to get from the nations. That's what it does. It liberates you. So that you can enter into his travail. The Father's gift to see Jesus receive. Every nation, tribe, tongue, people. Every ethnos. Every background. Every group. The LGBTQs. The the drug addicts. The crack addicts. The pedophiles. The domestic abusers, the loveless marriage, the backslidden children, his calling. And his calling is to receive the inheritance of all the nations. 
And I want to tell you this. You want to discover your calling? Go after his. You will discover your calling in his calling. See, we turn this in that Jesus is here for you. Okay? You're on the throne. Jesus is your butler. And he's here to help you. And I want to tell you that's messed up. It's wrong thinking. It's about the exaltation and the supremacy of Christ. And as you lose yourself in him, you find your life. As you lose yourself in the pursuit of him, you lose your life and you discover his through you. I tell people this all the time. Jesus is not a stepladder into your destiny. He wants to kill your destiny and resurrect his through you. And if you really get serious after God, you're going to find something. Disillusionment in the first season. When you really go after God, he's going to mess up your paradigm saying, I'll put in some prayer and fasting and some word. I'm going to get anointed. And then da, 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 Corey Russell ministry going to change the world. I'm ready world. I got Jesus in me. Open some doors. And he goes, now come after me, Peter. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what happened? Simon got a name change in the revelation of Christ. The real you is hidden in him. Let me say that a different way. The real you is hidden in him. And we've made it about discovering who we are outside of him. We receive free forgiveness and then we enjoy the benefits and then we want to get stronger in all those things and manifest our calling. But I'm here to tell you, you want to, you want to discover what you're made for. Go after the pursuit of the knowledge of him. What does that look like? It looks like wildness. I'm not done. Okay, I'll tease out what it looks like. Everybody wants practicals. What does it look like? I just want to run a harpoon through you first. All right. And number, go, go to the verse 18. Go back a verse. The eyes of understanding that you would know. Here's the second one. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So it's his calling and his inheritance. We always talk about what we're getting from Jesus. And guys, you will never graduate from that. Yeah. Ephesians 2, 7 tells us that in the ages to come, we might know the exceeding riches of his kindness, which means this, you and I will be sitting on thrones in a thousand years, pinching ourselves, saying, how did we get in here? You will never get over the kindness and mercy of God. But what about his inheritance? What about his inheritance? Do you know, this is what Paul's saying when he says that you would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in you, that you would know who you are to Jesus. Here's a new prayer I want to give you. Ask the Father, say, Father, show me who I am to Jesus. Simply say that prayer. Do you know you're the Father's wedding gift to Jesus? Do you know the Father's not going to give Jesus a bored bride? A lukewarm bride? A indifferent bride? Do you know the Father and the Spirit is hard at work to giving to Jesus 
a suitable helper, a beautiful companion, one who loves him deeply, who's absolutely lost in his beauty. And his bride has made herself ready. How do you make yourself ready? Well, brother, don't get, it's not about making yourself anything. No, you cooperate with the grace of God. You cooperate with the testing. You cooperate with the glory. And you let the Holy Spirit do his work in delivering you from orphanhood, from widowhood, from illegitimacy, until the manifestation of sonship and bridal identity is manifested on the inside of you. She didn't give up when it got hard. She said yes to the work of the Spirit when he started confronting stuff. And then number three, that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power. There it is again, his power. Uh, his calling, his inheritance, his power. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him far above. Oh, I love that phrase. Far above. Go to the next verse, 20. When he raised in Christ far above, at the right hand, the heavenly places, far above, verse 21. Next verse, far above. You know what I love about his power? That you're going to know firsthand that he's the God who raises dead people, dead circumstances, dead marriages, dead children. He's resurrection. And he really specializes in the deadest get the greatest resurrections. And he wants you to know it. Guys, I just want to bleed. I just want to tell you, we are at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the search and the discovery of the glory of Christ Jesus. The one through whom the world was made. The one that everything, the cosmos, was created through this man, through the eternal word of God, was manifested in the fullness of time into a human life. And he grew. The one that knows everything learned. The one that created everything increased. Let the mystery of godliness wreck you as you meditate on the glory and the splendor of this man. The majesty of his life, the glory of his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his intercessory ministry, his second coming, and his eternal inheritance to rule over the nations. You are called into the search and the discovery of, of this man. He is the treasure hidden in the field. And we go and we sell everything that we have and we buy the field. And I want to say this to you very clearly. Hunger accesses the spirit of revelation. Spiritual hunger accesses the spirit of revelation. If you want to increase, I receive salvation freely. The deeper things are based on hunger. Salvation comes freely. Free gift comes freely. Spiritual hunger accesses the more. To the hungry, you will be filled. What does hunger look like, brother? I don't want to strive. You may get it wrong. Don't worry about it. I have more of a fear of living stagnant than striving. I'm not afraid of striving. I'll do it wrong. I'll hit a wall and he'll show me. Say, you got to grow in grace, brother. Hit it this way. We try to become professional walkers on water in the boat. 
and we do all of our tests, and I don't want to do it wrong. You're going to do it wrong because we're learning how to follow God and we want him. And hunger, when someone gets hungry, it's going to touch a few areas. Number one, it's going to touch your schedule. It's going to get real practical because when you fall in love, all the other relationships out the door, they get more time, more affection, more money, more ideas. They get your life. That's what it looks like. It's not a casual, I'll meet you on Sunday. No, it's a reorientation of your whole life to make room for the search. The search and the discovery of the glory of this man. And there is nothing that, that compares to when God breathes on half a verse and tells you about his son. And I would waste three months for three minutes. I would, I would skip meals. I'd spend 40 hours a week. I'd pray in tongues. I'd say no to some other things for a three-minute father bragging on his son and lodging it on the inside of me and weeping fresh tears of revelation. Oh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which over joy of it, he's happy that the treasure was in the field. No, he went and sold all that he had. He bought the field. I want to provoke you for the hungering, for the knowledge of God. I want to give you a vision for the, for the high pursuit. Proverbs 2 says, if you receive my words, treasure my commands within you. If you apply your heart to understanding and your ear to wisdom. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will find the knowledge of God and you will understand the fear of the Lord. I want our revelation of the free gift of righteousness to produce a, a hot pursuit. I want more. I want more. I can't hang out with you anymore. I know we've been best friends forever, but you want to live at a 2.0 on the spiritual treadmill in American Christianity in Dallas, Texas. I love you, but I'm reordering things in my life. You are going to offend people. You're going to make some people upset. I don't have time. I will hang out with you. I love you, but I'm, I'm running after him. I refuse to live in the shame of my mess ups of the last season. Philippians 3, he goes, one thing I do, I forget the things that are behind me. I refuse to live a prisoner in yesterday's failures and successes. I'm not going to coast. There's nothing coasting about the, the Apostle Paul. There's nothing chilling about him. And yet the man gave us Romans 3 through 8. And yet he was possessed. I want that. I just want a little bit of it. Oh, for the spirit of revelation. Oh, for the Father to open up the word of God and breathe by the Holy Spirit who his son is to him. There is nothing greater than when God reveals God to the human spirit. There is no pleasure in this world. There is no joy and there's no pain. I found in my life that when my greatest pain is discovering more of him, I find that the joys really aren't that awesome and the pains 
aren't that crippling when you got a deeper pain? What's the thing that keeps you up at night? What is it that drives you? Is it, what is it that keeps you up? What's that drives you? I want to tell you it's made. You were made by God for the search and the discovery of his son. And life don't work right when you're trying to add him onto 10 other things in your life. It just doesn't work. And you feel yourself in between two worlds, bored, and I want God, but I'm bored, and I want God. I'm going, God, I don't want to ever be bored with you. And when I'm preaching more from this book than crying when I read it, I'm in trouble. Preachers are more dangerous than anybody. Preachers are the most dangerous because I can sit up here in my gifting, tell you awesome things, and then go about my life as normal. But until this requires something afresh of my life, it means nothing. And I can't live in the memories of what was purchased in a last season. There is a place of buying oil and buying gold. You don't earn it. You honor it by hunger. That's why he tells us to buy oil. That's why he tells us to the Laodicean church, buy gold. Well, Jesus, time out. We don't buy it. He goes, yes, you do. Hunger and humility is the currency of heaven. Hunger and humility is the currency of heaven. And you will always stay where you're at until fresh humility and fresh hunger touches your spirit. I want to tell you it's beggars that get the attention of the king. And there are paradoxes in the kingdom. I'm rich and I'm poor all at the same time. And I find, I find that I grow in the revelation of how rich I am through poverty, through the awareness of, oh God, I'm at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. I want more. It's poverty of spirit that catches his attention. Well, you're like, I want to get poor, poor of spirit. Ugh, no. This is a gift of God. It actually takes God to want God. I want to want you. It don't work like that. God, show me how much I need you. Give me what I cannot give myself. Give me what I cannot give myself. Work in me, Holy Spirit. I've just been having that go off in my head. John 16, 13. The Spirit glorifies the Son. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. The Spirit searches the deep things of God. Oh, friends, there is a door of revelation that is available to you. Oh, get hungry for the Spirit of revelation. Get hungry for the Spirit of burning to rest on you for days. And you don't get back to people on your text and you can't keep up with social media like you used to. And you miss out on the next three big Netflix binge shows. And they ask you, go, why are you trying to be so religious? Oh, I'm not being religious. I'm just caught up. I believe there's a realm of burning that is available for you. There is so much more. There is so much more. It says in Colossians 2, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we're treasure hunters. There's a door standing open over you, upper room. And there's a holy invitation being given to you. Come up here. Come up here, upper room. 
Come up here, upper room. I want to show you things. Immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven. And one set on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And around the throne are 24 thrones, and on them sit elders. See, Revelation 4 is what it's all about. It's the beauty of God's person, the beauty of God's people. 24 thrones. On them are elders sitting. No one sits in the presence of God, but you do. I do. The redeemed do. Everybody else is flying around. You're the aristocracy of heaven. You're the ruling class of heaven. We're the heirs and the co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Sitting, clothed in white robes, as clean as Jesus is, crowns of gold on your heads. You're dignified. You're not a cheerleading section for Jesus. You're his partner. We legislate and rule with this man. We say amen to his prayers and he does it. And he does what we say when we pray it in the name of Jesus. Matthew 16, whatever you bind, heaven will say amen. Don't you want heaven to say amen to your prayers? We'll grow in the revelation of Christ. What's going to happen when the church wakes up to who we are in Christ? Verse 5 will come back. From the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. We're going to get the prophetic spirit back on the church. We're going to get the thunders of God. I'm feeling Psalm 29 in this season. Psalm 29, the God of glory thunders. We worship him in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord does a few things. Number one, it shakes the wilderness. Some of you have been in wilderness seasons and you've just been content to live there. The voice of the Lord is shaking your wilderness, shaking your season. You've just been content to live in this place. God's shaking it. And he's turning the wilderness and the wasteland is going to rejoice, Isaiah 35. Rivers will break out in the wilderness. Streams, the mutes shall speak, the lame shall dance. The voice of the Lord shakes. It makes the deer give birth. There's a birthing of callings in this season. And it breaks the cedars of Lebanon. There's breakthrough. There's a shaking, a making, and a breaking. Oh, I know there are creatures all around you. I know there are lightnings and thunderings. I know there's a storm all around you. Holy If you don't know that song yet, you really need turn and John Thurlow. <laughs> Four living creatures. Go back to verse. Oh, there it is. Keep it there. That's good. Oh, there it is. Four living creatures, each having six wings, full of eyes. Everybody say full of eyes. Around and within. Around and within. Their insides, Joel, are made up of eyes. They're translucent creatures that can literally, their whole being is made of perception, 
of beholding God. They do not rest day or night. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty was, is, is to come. And whenever they do that, crowns start falling. Two big questions and we'll pray for you. Why all the eyes? To look at him. Why don't they stop? It's because he never stops breaking in with fresh discoveries. Hear me, everybody. They never get used to him. They've never at one time said, what are we going to do next? See, I believe the greatest crisis confronting America is not Washington, D.C. I believe it's a board church. I believe it's a church settled in complacency. I believe it's a lukewarm church that thinks one thing about themselves but does not know that they don't see as much as they think they see. I believe that's the greatest crisis confronting us in this hour. We are in the midst of an hour of seeing so many things take place and I believe it's resting on the church to come out of boredom, come out of over-familiarity, come out of deception and begin to get back to poverty of spirit, humility and hunger. Saying, God, we want to get on fire. We want the glory of God. We, for the sake of your name, Jesus. For the sake of the nations. He wants to baptize you with the spirit of revelation. He wants to thrill, he wants to fill you. Amen? What would happen if one of those burning creatures were to show up here next week? What would they preach on if they were to preach? Would they not blow our minds with rapturous descriptions of the Godhead? And after hearing these ones talk about God, would we not demand that those who speak to us from the pulpit speak from the Mount of Divine Vision or remain silent altogether? Would someone go to the mountain and begin to prophesy over what they see? As soon as you stop seeing, you lose your witness. As soon as you stop seeing, I'm a man of unclean lips. Why, Isaiah? Because my eyes have seen the Lord. Lips get exposed when eyes get opened. And I believe he wants to baptize up a room afresh with the spirit of revelation. I believe he wants to awaken a hunger in you. It's going to mess with your sleep. It's going to mess with your relationships. It's going to mess with your money. But I promise you, you're about to get happy. Let's stand. Come on, Oscar. I love Oscar Gamboa. Oh, this is what we're going after. We want to see the church grow up into the head. Let's just, let's just pray. I feel like there's two big scales that rest over the American church that are hindering the spirit of revelation. I believe it's the spirit of perversion and the spirit of religion. And the spirit of religion is simply this, I've arrived. 
Spirit of religion will always tell you, come to rest and that it's done and that you're there and there's nothing more to discover. Oh, Spirit of Revelation shows you you're at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. God, I thank you. Hey! Let's get, hey! Let's just pray over those two scales to go away right now. Put your hands over your eyes. I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance. I'm going to pray for you and then some of you want to come up, you come up. If others of you need to go get your children, we bless you. Uh, just repeat after me. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for opening my eyes to all forms of perversion and all forms of religion. I ask you right now to wash me in your blood from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I want my thoughts to be clean, my emotions to be clean, and my desires to be clean. I receive your cleansing, and in the name of Jesus, I shut every door to darkness. I break all agreement with darkness. And in the name of Jesus, I open up new doors doors of light, doors of revelation, doors of encounter. In the name of Jesus, Satan, I command you, leave my mind, leave my emotions, and leave my desires. You are not my master, and I'm not your servant. Jesus is my master, and I'm his servant. So I command you to go.